Are you tired of hearing mental health from a superficial view and want to hear about realistic views? Well, you come to the right place, a space where healing is central, but also normalized. Your hosts, Donika and Myra, who are in the mental health field, will explore topics to help promote healing in your everyday life. Through our podcast, you will get the real and the work to focus on your healing. Welcome to Black Women Healing Podcast. Hi, y'all. So we are back with another episode of Black Women Healing Podcast. And I'm so, so excited for this podcast because I feel like it's a topic that we haven't really delved into. And then also because it's one of my bestest friends. Mm. But um, so we start off with like a random discussion or we used to do like a random um, like scenario. So random discussion um <laughs> all right so we was talking about boobs a little bit y'all so what do y'all think about nipple rings and should you know do they hurt i haven't got them i don't know if y'all got y'all's periods so what y'all think about nipple rings well i had both of mine pierced mm. uh, and i think that was i've had a lot of piercings and that was probably the worst as far as pain that i got really yeah definitely <laughs> I to get mine pierced and I could only get one um, I had one for a very long time because it hurt I have tattoos I've had you know I have different piercings but that I was like yeah we could stop here and this is where I'm gonna leave and I did leave and I had that for like five years so you only got one one nipple done uh-huh that's actually really common for that particular reason uh-huh. Can they do them at the same time though? Can they do it like at exactly the same time? Mm-mm. I've never heard of that. <laughs> I don't even you know, think you want that. <laughs> I mean, because then it's like one time. You don't got to do, you know, you don't got to worry about it the second time. Nah, that's still twice. <laughs> uh-uh. No, it hurts very bad. <laughs> yeah. How long does it hurt? Like, what's the side effects? <laughs> that's another thing. It hurts for a long time because it, it takes a long time to heal. And then as you watch, like it gets caught in your sponge or like it just, it's just a pain. Mm-hmm. Literally. It was uh, what's, the problem? what's the problem? I'm sorry. Go ahead, Myra. No, I was just saying it was too stressful. So I just took it out. And I was like, I'm not doing this. So I took it out. Dang. Yeah. Doesn't it take Myra like a year to, to heal? Like or something crazy? It takes it's definitely like a, year. a year to heal. And then don't let, I don't know, get caught onto something or get infected somehow. Cause then it's like the healing process starts over. Yeah. That happened to me a couple of times. Like, I used to get caught a lot on my sponge, like, as I would wash up. And then began mm-hmm. on it. That's it. It's going over. Yep. Starting <laughs> over. Okay, y'all. But what's the pros? Because we talked about, what's the pros of that? <laughs> you want to know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go, Myra. <laughs> I just think it's sexy. Because I have a tattoo under my boob. So... I just like looking good naked. So that just added a little extra, like, I think of it as just jewelry, like how you, some people get their yeah. ears. Um, I was like, let me get my nipple pierced. This is sexy. And then I had like really cute rings. So I had like angel wings at one time. I had like some little colorful stuff. I was getting real fun with it. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's sexy. I mean, there's no difference in getting your nipple sucked. So it feels the same. I know. And that was something that I was told. I was told that it does do something. So that was one of the reasons why I got it originally <laughs> on top of the jewelry piece. But then there was no additional like sexual pleasure to it. But sexually, it is like a 
enhancements, I guess, to your breasts. I haven't gotten a chance to get the my favorite pairs of boobs yet, but that kind of gives it a little a little bling to what I have right now. Yep. <laughs> and that was cute. All right, nipple rings. I most definitely have not got those. And from the sounds of it, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. So then I'll introduce our guest officially. So today's guest is Maureen Mustafa. Maureen is a marriage and family therapist, associate practicing in San Diego, California. She enjoys helping individuals struggling to make sense of personal and sometimes challenging issues in their lives. As a narrative therapist, she works from a non-judgmental, culturally sensitive, strength-based focus. Growing up on the west coast of Africa in the Côte de Revoir, don't be mad at me, y'all, uh, also known as Ivory Coast, her childhood was filled with positive memories and sometimes political tensions. At 15 years old, she decided to move across the world without her family and speaking little to no English. She survived poverty, abuse, homelessness, violence, and so much, much more. She experienced symptoms that counter one's ability to create a positive and healthy life. Because of her own experiences, she feels drawn to help others. These experiences strengthen her relationships with resilience and were the foundations of the unique land she currently practices from. Welcome, Mari. Hey, that was beautiful. <laughs> wow. Maureen, do you want to add anything to that? <laughs> uh no I think that was that was a good little summary I feel like as we talk you know more might come up but that was a good summary of a long life <laughs> so, I'm gonna go ahead and just die right in and um so we kind of talked a little bit about your passion um tied to like mental health but can you tell us a little bit more about how you found your passion in the mental health field yeah so I used to I w I'm a former military spouse, and um, I lived on the East Coast in Virginia for a while during that time. And uh, I, during that life, I was a high school teacher. Um, so I taught high school for like three years, and I think I always knew that I wanted to go into something related to mental health. I just didn't know exactly what sector I wanted to be in. Um, because obviously I, I majored in psychology undergrad, but you know, as you guys know, that doesn't mean anything. So <laughs> I did that. And once I graduated, I realized, wait, what does that even mean? So then I ended up being an educator. And then I had, I noticed that as a 20, what, 22, 23 year old high school teacher, I was gravitating. Well, the students were really gravitating to me more so as a mentor type of role model, you know, and I taught French. So it was like a very relaxed type of subject. So I noticed that a lot of would love coming to talking to me more than they will talk to their counselors like I had many students come to me when they were pregnant and scared or you know when they were fights or things like that so originally I thought I'm gonna go back and be a school counselor so when I came to California I started when I went to San Diego State I actually started in the school counseling program and then um, a year into it I realized that they're very much focused on pushing academics and college and you know all that stuff and then um, I had taken an MST class and I felt like that was closer to what I had in mind because I wanted to do more disciple-social you know uh, type of thing so I switched my major and went to MFT and so far it's been feeling like it's pretty much aligned with what I had in mind all those years. Nice. 
So can you tell us a little bit about how you began to kind of shift your focus of your work and focus on like diverse populations? And then can you tell us a little bit about the diverse populations that you've kind of found yourself working with or having a niche? Yeah, so my, well, my, my experience, again, always starts off as a, like my, my base as a teacher. I, I worked in many different types of school systems from like low income to higher income. Um, usually towards the end of my career, I preferred to stay focused on the lower income, which ended up being more minorities. Um, and then as, as I transitioned to the West Coast and came to San Diego, the, di the <laughs> diversity was very different here. Um, so I started working still in the school system and um as i was in school it felt like there was a lot of opportunities for me to work in the school system because of my history but then when i graduated i started doing more um adult work and I've, i focused more on women and as as much as i want to focus on black women i felt like i haven't really built up that that area yet I think right now is just more women in general which works for me too so it's just women usually transitioning from I like transitional ages so transitional ages are, are stages in life so I've had a lot of women that have come to me when they're either divorcing marrying or younger women transitioning to motherhood mm -hmm. or you know high school to college or something like that when you say you haven't built up your work with black women, what do you mean by that? Um, I haven't found like a, because I'm an associate, I feel like I haven't really had an opportunity, associate and also the way my life is structured. I haven't had an opportunity to zero in on just black women, especially in San Diego, San Diego because I feel like you have to be very intentional mm -hmm. in, in finding that population here because it's not many of us. So it's not like, you can just go work at an agency and there'll just be an abundance of us to, to care for. So I know that my, at the agency that I work at right now, I make it clear that I'm interested in that. So a lot of times, you know, if and when the black women present themselves as potential clients, they give them to me, um, especially if they're requesting a black therapist. So that's kind of nice. So I have had a lot of opportunities to get some through there, but it's still scarce because out of the hundred people we get, maybe only 10 are black women, you know? Mm -hmm so yeah i'm appreciating you saying that because i feel like i like search high and low to connect with black women in san diego and it's like kind of sad because it's like i barely get to see them or i barely get to practice therapy with them so right yeah i'm with you on that can you give us a little bit of background on you as a mother um and tell us a little bit about your kids like how old are they and some of the things you enjoy doing with them ah okay that's the loaded question so <laughs> I have three of my own, three bio kids and two step kids. Um, my two step kids came into my life about four years ago, but um, I had my first biological child when I was 19, um, undergrad time. And then he's currently, he's gonna be 12 this summer. And then I had my second one, another boy, when I was starting my program actually, program that I was in with um, Danica. <laughs> mm -hmm. I delivered the day the program started, so that was fun. I went into labor when they started going to class and then I showed up in class like what, a week later with like hello with the baby and they were like okay why are you here and I'm like it's time to go so anyway he was yeah he was definitely a grad student with me for a while um he's gonna be four actually he's four he's gonna be five this summer too 
Um, and then I just had a baby two weeks ago, and that's my girl. I got a girl. So she's two weeks, and then uh, my oldest stepdaughter is 15. She lives, she lives on the East Coast with her mom, and then the 12-year-old boy lives with us. So pretty much have twin twin boys who are both 12s, and then my five, and then my two-week-old. Okay. So, <laughs> How do you juggle having, um, you know, being married or I don't know if you're married, but being in a relationship, having these kids, um, having yourself and then having um, practicing therapy? How do you juggle all those things? Do I? I don't know, man. I just I feel like I've always had a I don't want to use the word chaotic because that has a negative connotation, but like a. a a chaos that works for me, if that makes sense. Like I've always been very busy. It's almost like when I'm not busy, it's, I don't know how to manage life when there's not enough chaos, which sounds weird, but um, I don't know. I had my first one at 19. Like I said, that was undergrad. I was um, a junior in school when I was pregnant. And then my last year, my senior year, I had him as a newborn. And then I was literally like taking 21 credits, you know, to graduate on time because I decided to switch my major at the last minute. Um, and then after that, it was, you know, hustling, being a teacher. I, and and per my bio, I don't have any family here. And I was a military spouse. So there was never really a true support system around. It was just kind of like my kids and my husband at the time, wherever we went, we would bounce around. And it was always a matter of like, making new friends, having new support systems, whether it was neighbors or older people or whatever, daycares, everything always was just kind of like getting unrooted. So I, I learned to just deal with me being my, my main support. Even my partner at the time, my, my husband at the time, couldn't really be um, like somebody that I would anchor in my schedule because he was so like volatile. He would be going whenever they say go and go for a month go for two months a year mm -hmm. so just kind of like learning to just manage I, I must say it was easier when I had one obviously but then when I had my second one that was grad school and again I just did what I had to do I delivered I stayed home for three days after they discharged me and then I went to class took the baby with me would be pumping in the back getting my milk supplies getting my grades mm -hmm. And then the oldest one by that time was in school. So it was tough. It was really tough. But I think the main thing that kept me afloat is that I, I, I just couldn't be too afraid to ask for help. You know, like asking for help is a big one because I had one lady that would help me with daycare and grad school was unpredictable with the schedules they used to give us or the like the sites we had to go to to practice at. Mm -hmm. And they would give me hours that did not work for me, especially when he was gone. That's the, that was the biggest part for me is that I didn't have a solid, he was solid in terms of wanting to help, but he wasn't solid in terms of his ability to help with the mm -hmm. military. So that was difficult because if we had class till 10, I have not a sister, not a cousin, not an auntie, nobody. If he's not here and I can't pick him up, it's a wrap. So asking for help was a big one because I used to ha have to ask the daycare lady, can you keep him extra? I can give you a little extra money. Mm -hmm. I used to pick up jobs here and there. Um, and then also even the people at, in my program, like when I knew that some people had different sites, you know, and I didn't know them that well, but I just had to do what I had to do. So I think asking for help, not being afraid to sound vulnerable or just that typical 
and I say typical because I recognize myself in this too, like the black women, like I can do it all by myself type of thing. I realized very early I can't, <laughs> like I need all the support. I appreciate you saying the asking for help part because that can be applied in so many different situations, so many aspects of life. So I think that's super important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very, very important. I feel like I couldn't have, I couldn't have accomplished as much as I did if I was, I don't even know if it's pride or whatever it is. It's not pride. It's just sometimes you just don't want to bother people. You feel like you're bothering people, even though if you flip it, you know, you would help anyone that will ask you the things you're asking other people. It's just something that makes you feel like, oh, I don't want to bother them. Um, I had a lot of those reactions and sometimes it would just be like, you know what, just ask what's the worst that can, you know, happen. Right. Yeah. Okay. What do you think, what are some of the things you enjoy doing with your kids? Oh, that one. So my oldest, the two, the 12 year olds, they play basketball. So we do a lot of that. They play competitive basketball. So we do a lot of traveling to Vegas. Um, LA is like the, the typical place we end up going to on the weekends and they they do local tournaments too sometimes Arizona so we do a lot of travel basketball things um the little one ends up just getting bundled into that because he's only four but he's going to start playing sports too soon needless to say I'm excited about this two-week-old girl Uh, my partner has decided that she's going to play basketball and I am not having it because no we have three that play basketball already. His oldest daughter also played basketball. I'm looking forward to some different type of shit. Can I curse on him? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm looking forward to some fucking dancing, something. I'm over the basketball. She about to run her ass on some tracks, tennis, something. <laughs> but we are sports household. Um, we eat a lot. We some foodies. We travel. I try to make them interested in stuff like museums and the beach and stuff like that. And um, they're very into their electronics. So I try to break them out of that. But yeah, everything, any and everything that can keep us traveling outdoors, but especially basketball seems to be like our lives because I don't know if you guys know, but the travel basketball world is hectic. It's like practice twice a week. You're traveling. You don't have much time for anything else. That's so wild. That's 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 dope though that you have things that you get to do with your kids, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the difficulties that black mothers face and the black mothers in particular face when raising their children? Hmm. Are we talking about here in San Diego? Because I can think of some more like focus to, to this area piece because my two black kids are the only two black boys at the school. Uh, really? but that's, I think there's they're the only two they're the they're we put them into two different classes on purpose. So they're the only black kids individually in their own classes. And then I think in the whole school they're still in elementary because Chula Vista keeps you in elementary until sixth grade. And I think in the school total there's probably like two, three more black boys. Oh my goodness. I think they're the only ones in their grade for sure. <laughs> well, so. uh, yeah, well, I mean, I think we, our audience, and we would love if you gave us kind of like some of your personal, like some of the things you're saying, but then also just in general, just as a Black mother. Yeah, well, to that point that I was making, I think the hardest piece sometimes is, especially as somebody who was brought up 
I grew up in Africa, so I was definitely not a minority, obviously. And then when I moved to the States, I was in a very um, predominantly Black area. So I don't know, sometimes there's a disconnect. Um, I wouldn't say between me and my kids, but between my idea of who my kids are versus what I experienced. Because it's like, I don't know what it's like to grow up in a space like what they're growing up in. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. And it's not, a, it's not a thing to them because that's all they know. But I know that they're not as connected to their to their blackness as I was. So I want sometimes I wonder what does that even mean like for them like to to be black. Do they even think about that? And they're young, so I try not to impose too much on them. So I don't know. Sometimes it's difficult for me to try to figure out the barrier between imposing my own views, my own thoughts, and trying to like create some level of blackness in their life versus them needing something you know that they're not getting from their demographics if that makes sense okay um okay. but it, in general as far as the general term as a black mom I feel like particular to my situation which I feel like touches many black women I hope that don't sound like an assumption because I don't have percentages but I know many women are raising their their kids without the male influence which is kind of like my situation but not really because my um my two oldest their father is is obviously military and currently the, in hawaii and they have my partner right now who's you know a black man but it's not their dad so i think sometimes being a blended family is a huge deal for me um and then just just knowing that my kids don't necessarily have the the daily um access to their father like some some others or whatever mm. which is not really race related but i feel like it touches a lot of black women yeah speaking of because you're going right into the question so there has been this long-standing conversation about mama's daddy mama's baby daddy's maybe mm. what are your thoughts on this slogan and this kind of long-standing conversation girl that's facts <laughs> that's <laughs> facts me and my sister was just talking about that because um first of all we were just talking about the obvious which is once you're pregnant with your child you have to deal with that one child until you have it and you're done and you can get pregnant again these motherfuckers can go around having 20 kids at a time in one night you know so mm. i feel like the connection the affection and the responsibility that a, that a mom has towards a child is immediately like intensified versus them, you know, to, to have 20 babies going at once versus you cooking up one baby for nine months and that's all you can do. I think nature is telling us something already. Um, but I feel like that's also facts just because just watching the past couple of weeks, we have a newborn, but just Friday, uh, my partner was out drinking, having fun with his, and I'm not, I'm happy he went, but I'm just saying, like, I couldn't even go drink if I wanted to right now, because I'm a, a cow. I, like, pump every two hours, can't drink. I got to pop my boot out and feed this baby. He was out partying with his coworkers, celebrating somebody's birthday. I'm like, go ahead and enjoy your life, you know? <laughs> I can't do such things, because I have to feed this child, and I've been, like, pumping and saving up my milk supply just so I can go somewhere, because if if I just want to go to Walmart, like, it's chaos. It's like, oh, how long are you going to be gone? Okay, I'm going to unfreeze this much milk, and blah, it's like, you're so vital to this child's life. It's not the same. Mm -hmm. 
you know, the men get in what they fit in, but sometimes at night he's passed out all night and I'm like getting up, doing this and that and the third. And I could ask for his help, but it's like, he's not even that helpful. Like, it's just, <laughs> he can't be as helpful as me. He can't do the things I can do. Like I'm producing the milk. I got to pop it out. I could wake him up to change a diaper, but it's like, what is that going to do when I still got to be out, up, you know, doing all this stuff. So I don't know. That's very specific to the newborn stage, but I, as they get older, you know, it's not as relevant because you can set them off to daddy and they can manage. But I really feel like you really see that when the kids are like in that nurturing type of stage. It's the mom's job, not job, but responsibility or expectation, whatever the word you want to use. Yeah. <laughs> Take your time, girl. <laughs> So, Maureen, can I ask you, what is your definition of a single parent? Mm, that's a good one. Y'all ask me all the shit we were just talking about. <laughs> so, I feel like a single parent is not, I'll start with what it's not, I guess that would make more sense. It's not someone like me. I'm not a single parent. I have a person in my life who helps me with my kids, not just physically, and emotionally but financially i am not dating anyone else well that's more like a relationship situation status because you know people got different things going on out here but okay. <laughs> i was saying i'm not dating other people but that's a whole nother bubble but i'm in a committed relationship with one person like i'm not i feel like a single parent is someone who doesn't have any support from any another adult that they're in a relationship with whatever that relationship might look like um a single parent is someone who wants to go on a date but cannot because they don't have a you know a babysitter or something like that or someone who basically has one income to care for however many kids they're responsible for like that support piece you don't have additional support and you're not like on the dating scene because i think people um some people consider themselves single parents as soon as they're not in a relationship with the parent of their child. And I think that's, that's not how it goes for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's, it's, <clears throat> I feel like this topic has been coming up for a lot for me too. Um, just because <clears throat> something I've, something I found out kind of recently was that a lot of the statistics and research that is being done around single parent households mm -hmm. is being defined as anyone who's not married or living in the same household. So mm -hmm. even like this kind of statistic that like um, black fathers are not in the household, are not in the kid's life, um, and they say like, oh, you know, it's a single parent, but really it doesn't mean that the black father uh, it's not taking care of the kid like you're saying and so I just think it's interesting how the research business is kind of defining what a single parent is and even kind of screwing our uh, reality on black males and black black men black fathers and how they're showing up in their kids life because mm -hmm. actually because I think about even with me and a lot of my friends a lot of my friends actually got their daddy in their life. Like, it's actually not as true mm -hmm. as, you know, the world makes it seem, like, you mm -hmm. know. Interesting, though. Uh, it is. I think it's it's kind of like a... It's a gray area when you want to make those studies. It is very gray, because 
you know, if you asking people if they're a single parent, like I can be a single parent, like both of those people are single parents. The black male and the black woman are both single parents, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. If they're not together, they live in a separate households. He may be helping with the kids here and there, but you know, it depends like financially if he's doing what he's supposed to do, then of course that's kind of different. But there's a there's a whole nother piece as far as the single piece is really your relationship status. Cause if you don't have a whole nother person that you live with consistently that's helping you with everything as far as the bills at home and the kids and everything else, and you're still trying to establish a personal life as far as dating, even if the dad is around, you're still a single parent, you know? So mm-hmm. is that male, so is that black male, if that's his situation. So when you go making studies like that, you're right, like who and when you're saying a single, you know, this many single black women have blah, blah, blah. How many of those black women's exes are black males that are also single black fathers? You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we kind of talking about the dating, kind of like dating scene in general. What advice would you give to single, single parents, single black women trying to date? Girl. You know my story, so. (laughs) Um, Well, generally speaking, I have a lot of girlfriends that some have kids, some don't. Um, But I feel like a a reoccurring, like, topic that I talk to my friends a lot about is this demeanor, like the attitude. I won't call it attitude, but the demeanor that, these women that I talk to that talk to me behind the scenes and say they want to be approached versus the demeanor they have outdoors to the people that they don't know and how they come off and the awareness that they have about it, but somehow they're not able to change it. Like I have a lot of friends who will tell me, for example, they're at the gym and that they have this, they know, like they're saying this to me, like, oh, I be looking like I don't want nobody to talk to me. And I'm like, well, do you not want to nobody to talk to you? No, I do want them to talk to me. I just don't know how to how to look approachable. And I'm like, what? Like, how does that work? And then they get mad when nobody talks to them, but they know like they're giving up the stink attitude. And I'm like, just smile. Like, have you tried that? You know, make eye contact. Like, damn, I don't like to look like I'm thirsty. We're, I don't want to talk to nobody. You don't have to talk to people. I feel like people or women sometimes don't know how to just look look nice or smile or, or look, I don't know if vulnerable is the word, but it's like this armor of protection of like, I'm, you know, off limits. I'm blocked off, but I really want you to try your best to penetrate this very thick armor. And I feel mm-hmm. like men these days, are not interested in doing that. Like they're not interested. There's Tinder. There's swipe left, right. There's Instagram. Do you think that? Do you think that they don't care uh, about about having kids? About the the parent, the this person having kids though. Like, do you what think do you, that you, like, you date? Meaning, if you have kids, and how men are, whoever you are, whoever you looking for, checking for. If you have kids, and you tell them, if you oh, date. I don't think it really matters that much these days, especially because also I'm speaking from a place of 30s. I'm going to be 32 this year. And I feel like most men that are dating in that range are expecting you to have a kid or two or not. But that's a pleasant surprise, you know, type of thing. Um, 
if you to them or if it matters or not and a lot of times men have kids like people have kids i think at this between 25 at 25 plus i don't think it's really unexpected i think it's a deal breaker for a lot of people but i don't think that should matter like i think people are going to be I'm going to have their own deal breakers for whatever reason. If you happen to have something that's a deal breaker to someone, then you just move on. There's always somebody who's not going to care about that. You know what I mean? Like, Definitely. Well, we were running out of time, but before we end, can you share with us some takeaways you have for our listeners? Some what? Some takeaways you have for our listeners. Um, let's see. I would say parenthood is is difficult it's challenging and it adds more barriers in your way as far as like accomplishing goals or whether it's career or anything else or even in your own relationship but don't be afraid i think structure um is definitely number one in parenthood as far as making it through you have to have a lot of structure you have to be consistent mm-hmm. and you just have to to put a lot more energy than you need to than other people might need to and just be organized um i will also say on the topic of being a single parent just take your time focus on your kids first and then just trust that there's a there's somebody that will fit your life perfectly and when they come in it won't it won't it will be effortless because i feel like that's how it was with my partner even though he also had kids it kind of just the blocks just fit um nice yeah those are really good y'all heard that so don't be afraid have some structure be consistent put a lot more energy than a lot more people might tell you to or that you might think that you need to and take time for you and focus on your kids and trust that somebody will fit into your life and it will be effortless that was perfect that's Mm. it (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much for your time we really enjoyed talking with you this was a much needed episode well thank you for having me sonic do you want to add anything no, I'm so excited for the audience. Like I've I've actually had a few people asking me about like, you know, talking about motherhood and I think that we touched on a few different like good things. So I think it's gonna be great. Yes, I agree. I agree, agree. I would love to come back whenever and I don't know how the process works for afterwards, but if there's an opportunity to interact with other people, I would love to do it. All right, so y'all, this episode, like I know myself and and Myra at this time, we don't have children, but I think it's very important for us to be aware of topics that, um, you know, we want to be able to give to our audience from all different backgrounds, whatever. We want to make sure that we're giving you all content that is relevant and uh, that is important to your life. So as we was talking a song that came to mind is by candy burris and tiny tiny harris called superwoman uh i don't know if y'all heard this song but it's like an old song i don't even know where i like how it came up but it just talks about being a superwoman and being a parent and how um you know black women are out here just you know killing it um so yeah myra you want to share any other like book movie song article anything I have something to share, but it's not related to this topic at all. Okay. So we're going to do discounts and we're going to get back to Myra. So, um, so, um, discounts. So 
I went to this paint night, uh, and actually it was Myra's Film Scholar um, organization. I had seen that y'all went to like, y'all had like a painting event. Like, yeah, y'all had like a paint day or something. Uh And I was like, ooh, I want to do that. I haven't been able to. So I got to go. I went on Groupon and I actually got a $25 uh, Groupon through Yay Maker. Um, so on the, it's a, it's, it's called paint night by yay maker website. And you can either do the Groupon and usually it's like $25, but say the Groupon expires, even on their website, it's $27 with the code yay for you, which is Y-A-Y, Y-A-Y, and it's hard to say. Y-A-Y. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so, so with the code Y-A-Y. <laughs> for you on the site. So $27 is great. Usually paint nights run you about 35 to 40. Mm-hmm. And no matter what area you're in, if you go on the paint paint night by Yay Maker website, all you have to do is just type your city and your state and it'll find it'll show you the ones uh that are happening in your um in your area. So check it out. My little picture is cute too, y'all. <laughs> all right, y'all. So my thing that I'm sharing this week has nothing to do with this podcast uh, episode at all, but just go with me. So I went to a training last week through Beam, and it was about um, Black mental health. And they made some really good points. And so I want to take this time to apologize for all the people who you might have heard say that Black people don't talk about mental health because that's not true. And I feel like I've been one of those people. And I just want to put it out there that we do talk about mental health, but we got our own words to it. And that just, again, mm-hmm. makes us the shit in another type of way. So if you think about, like, that elderly person who might have said, oh, you making my cholesterol go up. They were saying, oh, I'm experiencing anxiety. Mm-hmm. If you think about um, some other ways that we just had, like, conversation, we're putting our own words to um, the things that we're experiencing. Although we're not saying it's anxiety, depression, bipolar, we are still having these conversations in our own way. And so I just want to put that out there. And for those of us who are um, supporting people in their mental health journeys, and we're not necessarily therapists and social workers, I want to just acknowledge y'all and let y'all know that y'all are doing the work. And the name for that is called Compassionate Witnessing. And that's basically when you hold space um, for other people. And that's just holding a creating and healing space. And like, I noticed that I'm around a lot of people that's doing that work. And so I want y'all to be acknowledged. Um, Also, I just want to say for those who might have trouble with um, understanding bipolar versus, you know, schizophrenia versus um, borderline, I want to suggest y'all some books to read. So one of the books is I'm Telling the Truth, But I'm Lying. And it's a, by a Nigerian-American immigrant Black woman. She's a slam poet, a mother, a daughter, an artist. That's how she describes herself. And she talks about her life through the lens of her mental health and her diagnosis of bipolar 2 and anxiety. Um, and so there's another book. She's not Black, but I'm still going to tell you all about this book because it's really powerful. And it's called um, Stigmata, and that's by Phyllis Perry. And there's another book called Freshwater, and I believe that one is by a Black, um, a black person. And so, yeah, those are just some of the things that I picked up um, from that training. And then one of the last things that I picked up, which I was like, this is a perfect picture caption. They talked about how um, you got to move from that hustle mentality and work on that healing mentality because they can't work together. So Mm. you're hustling hard and not taking care of your mental health. Are you working on like your healing and, you know, hustling can come afterward. 
So yeah, those are some of the things that I got from my most recent training. Okay, training. Thank you so much for sharing those details of your training. What training was it again? What's it called? It was through BEAM. So BEAM is um, Black Emotional and Mental Health. Uh And so the training specifically, it focused on um, through kind of like, I forgot what the word is, like not justice healing, but basically it just talks about like um, helping people with their mental health, no matter who you are. So I was like the basis of the training, but the mm-hmm. focus was on black folks. So we have some white folks in the building. We have some other people from different backgrounds, but the focus was all on black, um, black people. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I've been, I, I've come across being that, you know, that organization from everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so y'all know we got our events coming up and y'all about to be, Y'all going to see it everywhere, so y'all might as well go ahead and purchase your tickets, because y'all going to see it. So, Black Women Healing Circles are coming to a city near you. If you are in the Inglewood and Los Angeles, greater Los Los Angeles area, we have a circle February 22nd. Y'all, that's like right around the corner from 3 to 5 p.m. The tickets are, are limited, so please buy yours as soon as possible. I think with everything going on, um with who there's so much stuff going on um this is a great time to have this sacred space and safe space to be able to talk with your black sisters other black women uh, of all different ages please purchase your ticket and if you can't come invite another black woman who you think can come um, and then so that's february 22nd and then if you're not in the inglewood or los angeles area we have one in san diego march 7th 30 to 5:30 p.m. Come out y'all, San Diego. We want to see y'all. And then and we're going to be doing one in Philly in early May and we'll be giving you all more details as we continue to have our pods and have these events. Yes. And if you can't afford to come to the circles, please DM us and we'll see if we can work something out with you. If maybe we can like cut the cost or figure something out, um just shoot us a DM or an email and let us know. Um thank y'all for tuning again to another episode of black women's healing pod we get a knee deep up in this now i see y'all i've been checking out um our listens and we've been having a lot of listens every day um so i want to shout out y'all for being supportive and y'all was real hot on our story the other day i've never seen us have so many people watch our story so i was like okay what's going on but whatever so shout out to y'all and thank you for helping us hit almost 1100 followers Um, so shout out to y'all and we'll be back again next week.